0: Hello everyone and welcome to Christmas in Qatar, the only podcast you'll need to listen to before this World Cup kicks off in November. I'm your host Jack Hartley and coming up on this mini-series, we're going to examine how each team in this World Cup wants to play, how they'll win, and how they may be beaten. So, you know, many podcasts would begin with a lengthy introduction and I kind of feel like I have to do that. But I won't. I won't. Let's jump straight in with Group A, because that's why you're here. Group A, and no better place to start in Group A than the suspected winners of the group. That, of course, being the Netherlands. Now, the Netherlands is a very solid team. Of course, missed the last World Cup, but has really seen a resurgence in talent as they've expanded their talent pool as they've properly worked on methods of development through the bigger clubs, Ajax, Feyenoord, etc. And when you just to, to look at the goalkeepers here, you see a more modern approach that Netherlands is taking, even from the very back. So you've got players like, uh, like Justin Bilo, or even uh, like Remy Kompasvier. And when you look at these players, compared to you know Sillison, who started for them for many years, it becomes apparent that the Netherlands is looking to the future to solve the pro- to solve the problems of today. So of course the the starting keeper will be Justin Bilo, very very solid keeper, one who uh, is certainly a, a very solid shot stopper. But more than that, he's this distributor of the ball that you're seeing more and more with modern keepers, and Bilo is just an absolutely perfect example, someone who. Is sure to get a a big five league move any any window now. And when he plays it out, of course, he'll be looking beyond the defenders. But it's not necessary for us to look beyond the defenders because the Nef- the Netherlands back line is very very solid, much like they're keeping. So you've got players like Matthijs de Ligt, of course, a fire, very very good at the back, and then he'll be per- uh, paired with. Other defenders likely in a back four in this 4-3-3 system that the Netherlands invented and plays to this day. You've got players like uh, like Jurien Timber, or, of course, Virgil van Dijk, who's having a bit of a down year, but I don't think it's anything to be worried about. He's still perhaps the best defender in the world. Liverpool as a club might be responsible for some of his downturn, but at this international level, I think we're going to see an absolutely stellar performance from van Dijk at this World Cup. And then, of course, on the other side, you're going to have a real battle between... Uh, United's uh, Tiro Malassia and City's Nathan Ake. And Molassia, of course, falling out, out of favor a little bit at, at United recently. And Ake playing his way more and more into the City team. So I would favor Ake as the option at, at right back there. So moving into the midfield three, where all the creation has to come from from the Netherlands. If, if they're going to win, the creativeness of their midfield has to absolutely stand out. So you've got players like uh, like Ryan Grabenberg or Frankie de Jong or even even Memphis Depay. Probably they're, they're starting midfield three there who are just going to look to attack, attack, attack at every moment they can, especially in this weaker group where they're going to have to dominate the ball against their opponents and really try and send in their goal-scoring forwards, you know, Cody Gakpo or Arnaut Dayuma or, or Denzel Dumfries. Perhaps... Uh, even uh, Jan Rekinigan T-shirt, a really, really solid forward. I, I'd expect at least 40 goals from him at this World Cup uh, as Netherlands advances perhaps to the finals. And when you just look at the squad in, to, in its totality, you see that they're going to need to be a team that puts the ball in the net regularly, a team that really, truly needs to have the ability to get beyond the opposing defense. Because if they can't, they're not going to be able to win those one-nil games, those nil-nil games. It's just not how they're built anymore. It's not how any team that is going to have success playing Dutch football is going to win proper World Cup matches. So, obviously the Netherlands are the favorites, right? But with being the favorites, you need to see that it produces some sort of a target on your back. Something that the other three teams in this group, uh, Qatar, Ecuador, and Senegal, are really going to be going after. And I think the team that's best positioned to go after this this sort of target on the Netherlands' back, to really put pressure on Van Dijk and, and Timber, is Senegal. Of course, the reigning African champions, spearheaded at the back by Benjamin Mendy, an excellent player, Benjamin Mendy, perhaps even... Uh, the best goalkeeper at this entire World Cup. And he certainly played like it at at AFCON. And uh, there's not much else to say, really, for Senegal, in terms of their defending. Because they're a team that really needs to defend as a group, as a singular unit. Because if they don't defend as that singular unit, it's just not going to work for them. Because they don't have the individual talent to win those duels, to win those aerials that perhaps a team like England or, or France could rely on. Senegal needs to communicate well, work as a single unit, and if they do that, I think they've got a chance to really progress hard at this World Cup because of the firepower that they can have in that counterattack. So Senegal, of course, that solidity needs to be there, but even more important than that is the firepower. You move in, and that starts from the defense, where you see players who are known for their defensive tactical abilities, but also their athletic abilities that can really power those counterattacks forward. Players like Kalidu Koulibaly, or uh, when, you, when you look beyond that, beyond Koulibaly, you see where this lack of quality may start to set in. And the reason why the Netherlands is favored in this group is just... The lack of depth in the squad for Senegal. So you've got players like like Moussa Diakite, who's, of course, at, at Nottingham Forest. And all these players are just just struggling for their clubs, not seeing what they properly need to do to stay in those really top-tier clubs and what they need to do to represent what should be a top-tier national team like Senegal. So you've got Abdou Diallo, of course, plays for for RB Leipzig, who I think is a player who really needs to hit that ceiling of his, that potential, in order for Senegal to actually win at this World Cup. Because if they don't have every single player playing to that max, to that potential, if they're making mistakes, it's just not going to be good enough for Senegal. Like Even if they come in second place in their group, they're not going to advance past that, that knockout stage. There's no chance. So what we need to see from Senegal is team quality more than individual quality, because that individual quality isn't necessarily always going to be there. And you see this present itself even as Senegal moves into its midfields, midfielders and strikers. uh, Well, I suppose we should first start with the one remaining bit of quality on the team. Of course, perhaps the best attacker attacker in the entire world in, in Sadio Mane, leading Bayern's I don't even know what adjective to describe Bayern's attack anymore. Anyway. just so powerful and so vigorous that what we need to see from Senegal is a mirroring of that Bayern style in order to actually win anything at this World Cup, to, to make any sort of deep run. That we really haven't seen from the continent of, Af- of Africa ever. So when you look behind Mane, who's going to give him that service? Who's going to be hitting those balls in the net? We need to find him at those far post positions, near post positions, where he's gonna be able to get ahead or a chest to it and, and maybe find that breakthrough goal that Senegal are I think often to be looking for at this tournament. And you look at the Saar brothers, Ismail Saar and, and Papayutar Saar. And you know, they're not exactly household names. Players of course for for Watford and Tottenham, both struggling to really get into into the first team. But Players that, I think, on the right day, can provide exactly what you need for mono, That quality behind him. Something for your opposing defenders to think about. And there's just, looking beyond that, you got Adil Secaille, you've got Boulaye Dia. But it's, it's not quite what you want. Which is why I think the player with the most potential in the Senegal team is Mousseau chose de bien-li. Uh, Ali, of course, very, very prominent up-and-comer, someone who can put the ball in the net, but I think more important for the Senegal team, someone who can help others put the ball in the net, get those assists up, get those I, I could see 25 assists for him at this World Cup. It's, it's just the quality there, again, on his best day, is absolutely there. It's exactly what Senegal needs. And I think that's going to be the linchpin of the Senegal attack to see if they can finally break through in some of these tight nil-nil, one-nil games. So overall, Senegal, I think they do have the ability just because of, you know, Mandy and, and Mané. They have the talent to surely finish second in this group. Maybe not the talent to stick with the Netherlands at the top. But again, time will tell. Upsets happen. It's the nature of the tournament. And, you know, who really knows? Who really knows? so moving on uh third place in the group is really going to be uh perhaps the most interesting battle in this group and that'll be between qatar and uh in uruguay or pardon me ecuador and as with all world cups the home advantage can really prove to be a very uh, very noteworthy thing and especially in in a place like qatar with the, the harsh conditions where Maybe the stadiums will be an atmosphere unlike we've ever really seen before. And Qatar is really going to be able to take advantage of that if they feed off those crowds, if they have the ability to uh, gather that momentum. And that's where I think it starts for, for Qatar, is again, building from the back. You've got your, you've got your keepers. Uh, Michelle Barnum is probably going to be the, the starter for Qatar. And, you know, there's not a ton to say there. He's got some quality, not enough quality. Uh, not where you're really going to win or lose games. You're just hoping that there's a lack of mistakes coming from, from your keepers. There's a lot of these lower-level teams. That's really all you can hope for. Just play a clean, safe game. And then you move into the defense, which I think is going to be the real area of of struggle for Qatar. Is You've got your back four of Abdul Karim Hassan. Tarek Salman, uh, Boalem Kuki, and Pedro Miguel, who, despite uh, being foreign trained and properly developed, really just don't have the ability to stick at these high levels of play that I think we're going we're gonna to be seeing at this World Cup. They don't have the pace, the strength, the tactical ability. They have none of it, uh, which it makes it very hard to see Qatar advancing in this group and even you move on to the midfielders and strikers, perhaps you see a bit more of what you want to see. You see players like Akran Fiff, who of course is probably gonna be Qatar's leading goal scorer at this tournament. And he's really the only way that Qatar is gonna be able to bang in goals at any regularity, especially against defenses like the Netherlands, who I I just I see it as a hard thing to see Qatar actually scoring anything against properly coached, properly uh, managed teams. And you look at players like Ahmed Al-Alimidin and always Ali, and is there anything there? That's the question for Qatar. Is there anything there? They have properly trained foreign managers, uh, as much money as they want, but the talent Isn't there to compete. I'm sorry. It just, it just isn't. I don't care what system they run. They're probably going to have to switch between multiple systems. It's just, I don't want to say it's hopeless for Qatar, but it's going to be an absolute uphill battle at this World Cup. And just as that star player again, that I like to mention, you've got, you got a player like, uh, Mohammed Kazijuyun, who, you know, he'll provide what you're looking for. But not much more. And that's really the story The story of this team. It's just a team filled with mediocre players capable of producing nothing but mediocrity. And I, there's not much more to say about Qatar. There's, not, there's really nothing to say because they do not have the ability to beat the good teams. We saw it against Canada. We saw it against the United States. We saw it against Mexico. They're certainly not going to be able to stick with the Netherlands or Senegal teams. Of course, much beyond the quality of those three teams. And it's why they'll probably finish fourth in this group, unless Ecuador has a real shocker. So let's move on to Ecuador. Of course, the South American sort of surprise in World Cup qualifying, perhaps outperformed their ability, but I think that bodes well at this World Cup. It, it always bodes well to have a team that knows their structure and plays cohesively. And. Of course, there's going to be uh, a battle at all positions for starting positions in this World Cup because you don't necessarily have this these A-teams and B-teams in Ecuador. You've got a bunch of, of solid, good players, but maybe not the, the high-level players that you see in the Set In the back, of course, you've got Alexander Dominguez, uh, Moises Ramirez, and Hernán Galindas. And, you know... It, We'll see. I'm not sure there's a wrong choice in there. I'm not sure there's a right uh, right choice in there. It depends on the style that Ecuador want to play. Perhaps more of a a controlling game against the and more of a a defensive concede possession win on the counter-attack match against Senegal. And then Netherlands, you're going to have to try some weird things, to be honest, and try and pick up any points out of those. Moving on to the defense core for Ecuador. We see uh, some real passion, I think. Some real ability, but maybe not talent. And I think that distinction between ability and talent is where you are going to see the difference in many of the groups in this World Cup. You've got players, in, of course, in the midfield, like Canaver uh, versus Estupinan. Brilliant for Brighton, absolutely. Brighton overperforming every expectation. And Estupinan has been like a key part of this, And that's what you see in Ecuador that you don't see in Qatar, is those players who are having true success at club level as important pieces of their club. And you've got players like uh, Felix Torres or, or Piero Mincapié, who are more of that, that Senegal-style player, that player who knows their role but doesn't have the creativity or talent to progress beyond that role. And uh, if you look at where these goals are going to come from for come from for Ecuador, because I think they're going to be a very, very solid team, a team who knows their roles, who doesn't leave gaps in their lines, a team who maybe could win that, that nil-nil draw against the Netherlands and sneak a point against Senegal, and all of a sudden they're a surprise team are through the line of 16. So where is that goal going to come from that you're going to need? Because you're, ha- you're going to have to win one of these games if you're going to, if you're going to get through. And that could come from a player like like Moises Casado, of course, also for Brighton. This Ecuadorian connection on, on Brighton is really strong. And I think that's a lot of where the chemistry comes from, is playing this top-tier talent that Brighton played, along with your national team squad mates. And I just think that the, the most important thing for, for a team like Ecuador is that you, you incorporate... Your very best player. And of course, in that case, this this the star man for Ecuador is going to be Juan Oxigeno Suizo. Of course, Juan is a, a brilliant goal scorer, brilliant attacker, creator. And what you want to see with, with him at this World Cup is that ability to shining through. And that's why I think Ecuador is really the team that has the chance to challenge for that that round of 16 spot in the case of an upset in this brilliant group a a group a that of course uh just to rewind a bit here should be dominated by one team it should be dominated by the netherlands and really it it should be a pretty clear-cut a2 as well senegal just simply have the better quality they have tournament experience they know how to play quality football their players play at some of the highest levels in the world and are in good form with their clubs It shouldn't be that complicated, but you know, it never really is that simple at the World Cup, is it? It just isn't. That's the rule. It's the way it is. And I think that's what should give hope to the hosts, Qatar, and the underdogs, Ecuador, a team who I will absolutely be cheering for at this World Cup. So just to recap, Ecuador, the underdogs, likely, in my opinion, the third place team, Qatar, the hosts, unfortunately, last place. Second place, you're you're likely going to see Senegal, African champion Senegal. And first place, just like any other groups, it's the UEFA high seed, the Netherlands, ready to do some damage in this tournament once again. So that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following along. Um, It's going to be a great journey as we examine each group of this World Cup, and I hope that you go through and... Really listen intently to to what I have to say. Think of your own opinions. Feel free to, to judge them. Argue with me. That's what it's all about. It's what sports is all about. And I'm happy to be on this ride with you. So thank you for listening. And please listen again. Remember to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And share it with as many people as you can because that's how we get money. Thank you.